welcome to the second episode of the Top 4 Podcast. We are all reunited on this episode, so all four of us are here. Um, last episode, uh, Garbs and Ted and I went around the room and kind of introduced ourselves. Since you are here, Lewis, do you want to go ahead and uh, just kind of like talk about what you're a fan of, like who, what team you're a fan of, uh, where you're located and all that? Sure. So just like um, uh, Adam, I am a uh, Arsenal fan, unfortunately, the last couple of years. Um, Boo. Boo. Living in Raleigh, uh, and that's about it. Gotcha, great. We're outnumbered, Ted. We're outnumbered. I know. Yeah, it'll be, but it'll be a lot of, um, there'll be a lot of Lewis and I against the world here, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for sure during this podcast. But anyway, wanted to talk. Just start off real quick. um, Ask you guys. So it looks like with an update on the Premier League and English football in general. Um, June 6th is the targeted start date for the English Football League, League, which basically is League One, League Two, and the Championship. Um, they're targeting June 6th with – they're saying between a two- and three-week uh, mini preseason and, like, towards the end of May, mid-May to end of May. The Premier League looks like they're going to do the same thing. They're looking at um, – they're having a, they're, apparently they're having a conference call this Friday to talk about all 20 teams and trying to, like, figure out exactly what the schedule is, but – I think that timeline kind of fits in with what we've all kind of been expecting if we were going to finish the league. Obviously, it's they were shooting for the end of June to have everything finished. I think Italy and Spain, like we talked about last episode, are pretty much done. But just want to get y'all's takes on the June 6th start date. Do you think it's – and obviously, I think everyone's pretty much in agreement at this point. All leagues are that everything that happens will be behind closed doors. But I think that's a probably good – place to like starting date if we can get that in to get most of the rest of the games in what do you all think i think it's uh, <laughs> i think it makes sense i think we're looking at, i think we're looking at uh, left it, you hung out us, there yeah it leaves us what seven seven weeks i guess from you know the uh some of the i guess expected european back to back to normalcy plans kicking into effect which you know, gives uh gives a bit of time for uh, some periodization to get back from a, a fitness standpoint, some training standpoint. But like you said, it's it's going to be behind closed doors, whether it's in centralized locations, whatever it may be. I think is up for up for discussion. But you know, I think it's uh I think it's feasible and hopefully doable because that would that would put us approximately what three and a half months without sports, which is um oof, to struggle, to struggle, boys. More yeah. than a struggle. Way more than a struggle at this point. You, I mean, I'm. I was just go ahead, Garber. Sorry, before I jump in. No, I, I, I think I don't know about you guys. How many games you've watched behind closed doors? I'm happier than anybody to get sports back. But I remember City Champions League game in Moscow behind closed doors. It was one of the oddest things I've ever watched in my entire life. Like I, I don't know if we're fully prepared for how weird it's going to feel even though we're ecstatic, it's back. Yeah, I think 2020 is pretty much going to be almost all sports behind closed doors at this point. Just, just I think it's going to be like a new normal. I'm kind of excited just to be able to hear the players and the and the coaches because I have watched Champions League games behind closed doors in that instance, so that's kind of interesting. It's also going to be interesting to see, like, I think we'll be able to see pretty quickly what teams were sort of doing any kind of extracurricular work, and I'm not talking Jose Mourinho down the park with Ndombele, <laughs> <laughs> but like I was reading an article today that David David Luiz was saying that Arteta's basically been spending an hour and a half every day on with players and saying like, "Hey, tell me about this game, what you did right, and what you wrong, just from memory," and then like going over like tactics with them from that and kind of watching it with them like on conference calls. So it'll be, I think, it'll be pretty quickly evident like what teams basically kind of took it seriously and what, what didn't, I didn't, I, I don't know. I just obviously just following Arsenal. That's kind of what I know. I don't know if like other, what you guys have heard from other your teams specifically. I think, I think this break though, for somebody like Arteta probably had to use it more than maybe some other managers. Cause he's still in the process of Im- implementing the system he wants, getting guys to buy in. So I'm sure he probably had more work to do than some of the other ones where if you're in a team like Liverpool or city, when you come back, you basically know what's expected of you. You know what I mean? So that's – I don't know if it's a good or bad thing for Arteta, but he definitely had more to do than maybe some other managers and squads that pretty much know their job every time they go out on the pitch. 
Yeah, Lewis, you want to talk about that for a sec? Just like, what a shit show Arteta's first like five months in management have been. Oh, I mean, it's horrible, right? I mean, we left uh, Unai, who I think left the team with no clue what the plan was, no clue what they were doing. Um, demoralized, the effort was down. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been taking them from lower half of the league to now just crawling our way up into the uh, top half of the league. And I think he's got, you know, a mountain to climb from June 6th onwards. Um, Liverpool, you know, slightly better place. They don't have to win a game. Um, so, yeah, a little bit uh, difficult place to be. Yeah, I can only imagine being like getting essentially your dream job and then having, like you said, like the team just being at an all-time low and then kind of building all their their confidence back up and getting some momentum and then just completely a pandemic hitting you and you getting, and he was the first one to get coronavirus anyway. So mm-hmm. just, just good times all around. Uh, uh, Ted, what are, um, have you heard, like what are Liverpool doing? And like, have you heard anything about that? I heard anything in particular. I mean, I've seen a lot of the Instagram stuff seems to be uh, a lot of uh, individual training and a lot of staying at home training with individual trainers on uh, FaceTime or, Whatever it seems to be, but uh, I haven't seen anything team oriented. You know, I think from a clock perspective, we'd, we'd hit a patch of uh, average football being played. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think I think uh, I think he would have probably loved a, a little two week break, but I think uh, this is a little bit excessive. But um, I'm not sure there'll be much of much of anything going on from a tactical perspective, or you know, he didn't yeah, strike me. Doesn't strike me as a virtual trainer, Mr. Klopp. So, but he may prove me wrong. I'm not sure. What teams do you think will benefit the most from this? So, like you just mentioned, there, Liverpool. Obviously, they were in kind of a, they're having a little bit of a mini blip. I think teams like Spurs will do have have benefits from this because still going to get a bunch of their players back that were out injured. Um, I think some of the relegation teams that were like in kind of dire straits. I mean, I think Norwich is down at this point. If we can all agree at that but like something like an Aston Villa or something like that some of those other teams that are coping or struggling is there any other teams that maybe jumps after you guys that think this could benefit pretty pretty handily I feel like teams in the bottom bottom end of the table because there were some teams on major slides and like this this thing like like what Ted was saying it's not a two-week break it's too long to carry momentum either way really from what was going on before and so I feel like if you're one of those teams that was on a slide, this is a great thing for you. If you were on one of those teams that was playing great, this was a terrible thing. Yeah, I think yeah. I think opposite of – go ahead, Ed, Ted. No, no, I was going to say, I just think I agree. I think look at a team like Bournemouth to me, I think this could be a, a helpful thing. Um, you know, in order for – obviously it's multi, multi, multi-million million pound uh, – benefit to stay in the Prem. So, I mean, I think, you know, if someone gets a bit more time and Eddie Howe's very, very, very tactical and, you know, scientific in the way he looks at things, this could, in theory, have given him another three or four week preseason to get, get ready to go again. Yeah, I'm hoping Manchester United, who are on a little bit of a run, kind of hit a brick wall here soon because there's been all that Pogba stuff coming out now again, which is always, always fun for them. But... So we'll leave that at the Premier League there. Um, I did want to talk to you guys also. FIFA came out and revised some rules for the following year. Now, these rules usually go into effect June 1. So obviously, if we're looking at like a June 6 start date, they're basically FIFA has given the directive that to the leagues that you can either choose to implement the new rules as soon as you start or um, just keep it the old way as what you were doing before and then adopt these next season. Um, I like just, I'll, I don't know if you guys have even looked at these. I'll, I'll go through them, and I, I just, just from like a, from from what I've seen and what I'm hearing, it looks like I feel like most team or leagues will adopt this right away because it's just is a, it's much more like cleaned up version of what we've seen in the past. Uh, past, and a lot of this kind of revolves around VAR. So, um, yeah, shocking, right? So the new protocol in the in the previous laws of the game, um, it said basically the referee could often look at an on-field review. So that's what the the England, specifically the Premier League took and said, instead of like you having to go to a pitch side monitor, you could off, they, you said it was an, an opportunity for you to do that. 
Instead, now they've removed that language and basically said that you have to use an on, on-field manager, uh, monitor. So, like, if Mike Dean's on the pitch and a penalty happens and there's a, a VAR review, they ha- he has to go to the pitch side monitor. So, what do you guys think about that? It's common, common sense finally prevailed. Right. Yeah, the man that made the initial decision. And, I mean, I feel sorry for the referees to a certain extent. If, uh, you know, in, in the middle of the, of the park, they are now looking at having a decision they've made in the heat of the moment, just redone and remade and reassessed and then, you know, rejudged basically. And it makes them, to a certain extent, some of them makes them look kind of bad. You know, whereas if they get at least to put, go in front of the screen, put their hands up and say, yeah, fair enough. That's a mistake. I think it just gives a bit more credibility to, to, the, to them and ultimately in, into the game itself for me. For sure. I, I, I wished like that was my one issue with bar this year was everybody was hating somebody in an office in London. And that's because the referee couldn't go look at it. Like that transparency kind of relieves a lot of the pressure of the decision, because I feel like they left so much in the air this year for people to argue and go nuts over. I mean, sports will always find something to argue about. That's what's beautiful about it. But I feel like if the ref goes to the pitch side monitor every time, that like at least I can say, okay, Mike Dean's an idiot versus not really knowing the process of how the, we got the decision. Yeah, I think mean, like Lewis, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times we've like seen different, watching the same game, like different tackles be graded different ways. And it's just because the guy who's in the VAR van or whatever, like the Stockley Park has, has looked at it and seen it like, it's been a completely different person and just so the call has just been completely different and there's been no like consistency game to game. Right. Uh, yeah. Like and the only thing that they did say the refs won't be mic'd up, which would have been brilliant to be able to like kind of hear their decision making. But other than that, so I think that's going to be a bonus in terms of, and I, I, I fully expect the premier league to implement that right away on June 6th. Um, the second one is if there's been a, a change to the handball rule, so essentially, this was this caused a lot of issues last, like just in this season already, right? So when if a handball happens, like how far back do you have to go before it affects play? And like, so if somebody has a handball, like for example, in the Liverpool City game, somebody has a handball, then the team goes down. The, the, the was it Trent Alexander Arnold who's who had a handball in the box, and then then they scored on the, the play going forward. Yes, right, exactly. So like they 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 basically cut through all that and said handball now has changed to the t-shirt rule, which essentially means if the ball hits you above where you would wear a t-shirt, so basically essentially like mid-bicep up to your shoulder, that's not handball. Anything below that is uh, handball. And then the handball relating to a goal must be immediate. So a handball and a goal, so like if you hit the ball in with your hand, or handball pass to in a goal, or a handball falls to a teammate pass to a goal. And that's like basically it after that. If it's longer than that, like if you have a handball in the middle of the field and then, you know, 30 seconds passes and then this goal is scored, they're not going to go back and check that. Are they doing the same thing with fouls too? Because you know how that was a weird one this year in the Premier League with sometimes a foul leading up to a goal was called back, sometimes it wasn't? Devoca Rigi. The same. I don't know. Well, like, we, that's, could, that's... we could go back to that last handball one and it was still a handball in the box even if – even if they allowed the goal from Liverpool, it was still a handball in the box. Still should have been a penalty the other way. Depends how big his T-shirt is, though, now. <laughs> so. gonna, I think well, this, thing... this rule is going to bring back baggy clothes. Yeah, right. Guys yeah. just going to start wearing three-quarter <laughs> sleeves. Well, the other question is, is like when we, t- we think about the Chelsea-Spurs game where – was it Chelsea-Spurs where somebody got – or maybe it was City-Spurs. Somebody got fouled in the box. And then, like, play went on for about a minute. And finally, somebody told the ref, like, hey, you have to stop play because it was clearly a penalty. And so and no one had kicked the, kicked the ball out. So I don't know, like, how – I don't know how it's going to relate to actually, like, penalty claims or fouls. But it, I'm just – they they've just basically – handball was a big issue for sure. So they just kind of wanted to, to iron that out, it seems like. And I think it's a pretty fair rule if you think about it. Yep. Third one is any goalkeeper movement off the line is immediately deemed um, 
unnecessary if it results in a save. So no matter how far off the line you are, it's basically pretty much binary. At this oh, point. but for a save, that language is important because if you just miss the pen, right? If it, okay. Yeah, it, if you miss the pen, it's not. It's not. Um, it's not retaken, and if obviously it goes in. No so one cares if yeah. if someone comes off the line by a foot or two, and they hit the bar with a penalty, then that's that's fine. That seems. Yeah. That seems odd that's to me. All... Yeah. Same here. Yeah. And kind of, kind of in tying with that now, the kind of the whole penalty situation, um, encroachment now means you have to have a, you have to have an actual body part in the box. You can't just be like leaning into the box or anything like that, which I think is fair. But it kind of changes the dynamic of, like you being able to time your run into the box at that point. So on the penalties with the goalkeepers, riddle me this: I'm a goalkeeper. Penalties about to be taken. Right before the whistle goes, I just haul ass <laughs> and I run right at the penalty taker. <laughs> and he spoons out I and mean, he spoons out over the bar. Does it get retaken? The language literally, <laughs> as written, says goalkeeper movement off off the line only counts in the result of the save. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> so Mourinho Mourinho's some... gonna have Uris coming off the line that way on every pun. Just straight two footing the penalty taker as he, <laughs> as, he as he kicks it. Oh, that's incredible! No, but that's that's the problem we run into every year is that the language of the law and the way that it's written can be interpreted in multiple ways, sarcastic ways. Yep. I mean, but it's but you're not wrong. <laughs> but it's 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 best when done in, with an, a very dark sarcastic angle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. In keeping with that, the last rule that kind of got changed was because obviously this year you can pass to your defenders um, in the box, or was it? It might have been last year or whatever that changed. But I guess some teams were taking advantage of it by like the goalkeeper kind of like doing a quick scoop to the defender and then defender heading it back to the goalkeeper and him catching it and then them kind of counting that as a phase of play. Now, from now on, that's outlawed. Like you have to actually make like a actual like attacking forward pass. You can't just like kind of kick it around and do some tricks and stuff just to get the ball back in the hands of the goalkeeper. But you're right. I think that's like been the never ending kind of thing about football in general. And also what kind of sometimes makes it great. And also awful is like, there's so many terrible wordings of laws that it just kind of like, absolutely just, you can get, you can just drive yourself crazy trying to like make sense of some of these things. Too many lawyers in the world. hundred percent. Yep. Too many lawyers. Wording has to be. We've made it so complicated instead of simple because of too many lawyers and too many, yeah, and too many coaches like Mourinho, like you said, having lawyers to put the penalty takers right off the bat. <laughs> I mean, chances. being a Patriots fan in football, I understand like Jeez, any like, way that you can bend a, a law, you're going to bend it. No, <laughs> no. It's always inside the rules, but then they create the rules to ban it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so maybe maybe FIFA is just going to be playing catch up to all these all these coaches as they continue to like just kind of just break their stay in that gray area with rules. Um. So anyway, that's that's it with the actual rules cleanup. But I think the majority of those are actually pretty pretty solid in terms of like getting a little of some of the ambiguity that big word ambiguity of uh, of things like we talk about handball and stuff like that and what, what leads to it. The penalty situation will be interesting. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. But um, secondly, or thirdly, I want to talk about how like Premier League teams are coping with the COVID situation. I think we can kind of like go from a high level financially. It looks like most teams now besides Newcastle have essentially said they're not going to furlough player staff. I know Spurs just did a massive re- U-turn based on like public pressure from their fans. Liverpool, same way. Um, Arsenal, they just announced today that they're just kind of like their their executive class took a, a big pay cut. Newcastle, though, there's big news out of them. They're basically being taken over by uh, a Saudi consortium that's being fronted. They're kind of sitting in the shadows, and the and the, the team that's essentially taking them over is kind of like a a face for for these Saudis. So. I, I did check in on our favorite journo, Miggy, today. Oh, Over, man. He did have he, – he had some hot takes on it. So, he, he, he is being consistent in his uh, 
He has to at this point. For them. <laughs> yeah. But that'll be interesting. But what I, I did – like, what do you guys think, though, just like in financially from Premier League teams in general, especially if, if games are going to be being played behind closed doors, obviously there's not going to be the revenue for – from, like, season tickets or gate receipts, right? So – and let's just say, like, in – Let's say next fall, new season starts somehow, and they say, hey, you have to have only 50% capacity. Do you do something where, like, you only have your season ticket holders come in, or what, what do you think that looks like? Lewis, we'll start with you. Um, I think it's it's tough. I was giving us some thought today, and even if you're saying, you know, one every other seat is empty, you know, what about getting into the ground? Uh, what about all that, all of that yep. stuff? Uh, you know, uh, concessions, everything. It's going to be tough in that regard. Um, in terms of financially, how clubs deal with it, I think it's probably different for each team. I'm I'm, I'm not sure how the income uh, spreads out between uh, TV cash and global show- sales versus people actually paying you know to come in and like actually watch the game. So I don't know enough to really know how it's going to impact the clubs. I imagine the smaller teams will be impacted more. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not in. I'm not really sure i heard an example today like college football obviously something we can relate to there they said that their gate revenue was about 15 percent of their overall revenue um a lot of it is tv deals a lot of it is other types of things but uh, shirt sponsors those kind of things but um I do. I agree. I think the small teams are going to get crushed by it. And the, the bigger sides that have a global following, I mean, they, they get a little more of that TV money, I believe, from other countries and stuff like that. So I, I think it hurts the little guys in the long run, which is the opposite of what everybody's trying to do in football right now, I guess, with uh, financial fair play, right? Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I think the little guys, it hurts them. And I, I, I mean – you you think the Manchester United's, the Liverpool's, the Arsenal's, the Cities, who have followings all over the world, I I imagine they do okay even behind closed doors. Whereas a promoted team or somebody like that who's just coming up and their fans have been waiting years to be in the Prem League, those kind of teams that outside of your country and your area don't follow, I think those guys get hurt. I think. Just thinking about it too, if you're thinking of gate receipts, like one of the major benefits of an FA Cup is that if a small team draws, like let's say they get a Premier League team at home, like you're a League One team and you, you earn a draw at home, you get that gate receipts and then you get half of the gate receipts for going to like an Arsenal or whatever, right? Which is a big deal like cash-wise for those smaller teams. A lot of them like really depend on that and it's a it's a massive – and I wouldn't say like they, they budget for it, but it, it's definitely – definitely a big boon to their like to their actual budget so like you might have to even just like kind of rethink the laws around that how i know there's already been talk about how you would redo the fa cup just because of the fact that like most times the big teams by the by the time you get to the quarterfinals most of the big teams are are pretty much eliminated a lot of the young the littler teams but financially like that's anytime you can draw away to a bigger team that has a bigger capacity stadium and you're getting half those gate receipts that's going to be a a big loss to not be able to do that if we're doing that in like in the fall of next year in the winter. So, well, I guess, well, I guess the NFA cup doesn't start till next till 2021 at this point. So we might have hopefully have a situation by then, but it'll be super interesting. I mean, you think about Anfield, like everyone loves them for their atmosphere. That's going to be completely different now. Yep. Without doubt. You wonder, does the mentality change? I'm, Ted, I'll ask you this. Does the mentality change now going into an away game? Like where normally a team's going to go in and and set up, play for a draw and see what happens. Does the mentality change now that you take the fans away? I think an upset becomes a lot harder because it's going to be quality versus quality now. To whereas, you know, you go to a a place like Bournemouth, which is tight, compound, compound, you know, stand and you're looking at... uh, you know, what's it, 18,000 at Bournemouth, I think, something like that. Um, so you're going to travel probably, say, 1,200, 1,300, 14, maybe 100 uh, fans of your own. That's a tougher place to go when there's fans in it, when there's not. So I think I think you're going to see less upsets and more kind of quality rising to the top in regards to that. So 
Yeah, I think it's going to actually level it. Actually, unlevel it, I guess, more than kind of normal is kind of my my guess. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, Emirates will be the same. It'll be the same atmosphere no matter what. So it actually good. might be a bit better. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you've got two, two you know, you'll, you'll actually hear the coaches yelling, which will help. Yeah, Mickey and Freddie Youngberg will be yelling. It'll be much better than just about normal <laughs> or just about the same same level of noise for sure. You know what? That's an interesting thing for like us us fans. I think that's going to be cool is the amount that we're going to be able to hear um, the communication on the field and that kind of stuff. Like I think that's a side of the game that – I mean, I'm, I watch sports to enjoy them, but I, I really enjoy learning them – inside and out and i think getting to hear the guys talking getting to hear what the coaches are saying in although sometimes it might be in a different language but still getting that factor might be something pretty cool for us yeah i mean i think it depends on the coach like unai emery <laughs> I, I never want to hear him talk again yeah <laughs> so, bring him back bring him back he's class bring him back yeah who was it who was it that said that if we have to reset to to last year's like if they, they cancel the season, we have to reset to last year. Do we have to have Unai back? <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, he's someone I definitely know. But I, I would love to hear, like, Pep, Klopp, all those guys. Klopp probably curses a lot, and we don't get to actually get to hear it, which would be lo- lovely. I would love to hear that stuff. But I think you're about to hear it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Big, 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 big show uh, on Dice on a mic could be class. Oh, yeah, for sure. Or I just want to – actually, it would be great to just hear – how many players actually hate Mike Dean? Like just on the field, like all the time, just cursing at him. It'd be great. So, Garber, you brought up financial fair play uh, in the last last uh, little take there. I know you've you've been having some issues. You want to get off your chest, so I'm going to give you a couple minutes here to just go after it. No, I'm, I'll let the legal I'll let the legal process play out. <laughs> no, no, you know, but it, the pod's not going to get sued. No, it's. It's just really frustrating to see the politics of it. And I'm not saying that City did or didn't break the rules. And I'm this argument's going to sound so terrible, but like you can't tell me that the rules aren't be, aren't being broken all over the place. Like how PSG got an investigation and no findings is incredible to me. Like the one thing about City wages are not crazy for players and if you actually look at like transfer fees, we're not breaking the market to sign three guys to 800,000 pounds a week. You know what I mean? So it's like, in the grand scheme of it, it can't take away anything that I've witnessed. And also, I think people, some of the misconceptions, the the years that are under question were before Pep arrived. It wasn't anything during this time. Um And I think that gets lost in a lot of people. Like, this is a thing from 2014-15 which happens to be the same year that Liverpool fared, failed FFP, but they just uh, – they weren't in Europe, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, no, I just I just think it's pick and choose. I think that there's – PSG and City's ownership groups don't like each other very much, and I think that PSG has more pull with UEFA right now, and it's kind of where we are now. If we broke the rules, we broke the rules, and we deserve a ban, but I, I think if we broke the rules, there's a lot of other places that should be looked at too. So, so, uh, city is Abu Dhabi, right? Yes. So, what is PSG? Are they Qatar? Yes, and Qatar's got a lot of pull inside that room right now. Gotcha. And the chairman of the board for PSG just got found for fraud and all this other crazy stuff. But he's on the board of UEFA that unanimously voted to uh, ban City. Yeah. So this is just another example of kind of like politicking, which is exists at L in all major sports in general. For but sure. Yeah, kind of at a higher higher level from a from on a global scale, which is And I don't think the big super. I don't think the big boys like having another team come in and compete with them because that's the Barca's, the Madrids, the well Man United, I mean they still have that authority in Europe even though they don't deserve it for the past six years of the way they played. But like I don't think those clubs like another club coming in to join the party. I think it's more of and it's funny because financial fair play is there so that more teams can come to the table. But you look at like Juventus, what did their owner say recently? Something ridiculous about, oh, Napoli shouldn't be, or no, sorry, who is it? Who is it in Italy? He said that if they make the, cha- yeah, they shouldn't make the Champions League and 
any teams that aren't well-known names shouldn't be allowed in the Champions League. It's like, well, that's kind of the opposite of what you stand for for financial fair play. So it gets a little confusing. Yeah, I mean, they're owned by massive billionaire, like one of the richest families in Italy. Yeah, and they he said that if uh, if Lazio, like we, we can't... Well, that was at Lazio, yeah. Yeah, and just putting down other teams in their league saying that that's not what the competition's about, it's about the Blue Bloods. And it's like, well, all your law that you support is saying the opposite. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I think people are kind of concerned. Like, if you think about, like, the... I mean, PSG has its own issues, but if you think about Barca and Real, we've always seen football is pretty cyclical, especially when it comes to Europe and, like, what teams, like, what leagues start to dominate. Well, there was that period in, like, I would say 2005 when Liverpool first won the Champions League to almost, like, 2000, until Barca came along, essentially, where the Premier League, like, there's there's a couple seasons in a row where, like, the, the, the semifinals were all Premier League teams and stuff like that. So I think that really sat. Uh, didn't sit well with a lot of the other leagues. So, like when Barca or when Real and Barca started coming along, taking over Spain, and then of course that kind of also lent itself to the rise of Tiki Taka and the Spanish national team, and that that Germany kind of Dortmund and Bayern did that. So I think I think the Premier League is going to start seeing another wave of that. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens with the city thing. I'm I'm just assuming it's going to be banned. What do you guys think? Or not banned, but suspended until at least another season. I don't think it will actually go through, but that's just me. I I think that the the language between the two parties makes me think that best case scenario is a one-year ban, but I agree. I don't think it's going to go into play next year. Yeah, I, I can't see it going through. Really can't. I think All it's right. a case that it will, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll kind of go away based upon what we're going through. I'll get forgotten about. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's take a break. We'll end it on that one. And uh, we'll get to the banter part of the, the pod after this. All right. Welcome back to the second half of the top four podcast on our second episode here. We've got um, what we call the banter half, where we actually just propose some questions to each other, have a little fun with it. Talk about our favorite players, our favorite moments in sport, and this this um, this episode we're going to start a little bit of a feature called our Fantasy Eleven, but we'll get into the rules behind that a little bit later. Uh, but the first question comes in from Lewis, and it is, what are or who are the most underrated or overrated players in the Premier League season for you? So one and one of each okay. for everyone. Uh, so I'll we'll start with Lewis. underrated, uh, probably a home club pick here, but Bone Leno, uh, my selection. Reasoning, uh, uh-huh. 104 saves one. so far in the year. Uh, one of only three three players with over 100, and the other two play for Newcastle and Bournemouth. So uh, he's kept us in a lot of games all you know on his own, and uh, unfortunately, I think that's going to continue for a little while. Uh, um, overrated player, he's probably my favorite player in the league, uh, to be honest. Jesse Lingard. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, he's, just, he's a young young 27. <laughs> no, he's got potential. He's got years left in his career. Uh but he's just shit. <laughs> Man, cool. I thought I was going to I thought I was going to get a good laugh out of that when I said it, but you already got it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's setting the bar pretty pretty high already on the first the first offer there. So All right, Ted, what do you got? Underrated. Uh, well, I think I'm with Pereira from mm-hmm. Leicester. Hmm. Um, I thought you were. I thought you were talking about the guy from Man United. I was like, what? <laughs> Ricardo Pereira. I, I, I was, yeah, I respond to that with one one word. Who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, no, I think he's. Uh, he's. A, I think he's done a really good job getting forward. Yeah. Good three goals this year, which from a team that doesn't really bomb fullbacks forward that much is a pretty good job. Um, probably go with him for sure. Underrated for me is, uh, sorry, overrated, my fault. Um, my easy one's Pogba. Easy one. He hasn't even played this season though. Does he, I don't even yeah, think we still talk about it. Um, 
Don't worry, <laughs> the Twitter world will tell you he's a better player than De Bruyne. Oh, no. And the, the other one... Graham, Graham Sooners <laughs> has a fatwa against him at this point. So. <laughs> Graham Sooners is mental, has been since the 70s. But um, And then the other the other one that I'm I'm going to throw out there, which I, th- I think he's got to do it over a longer period of time, is uh, James Madison. Yep. Mm. James Madison. I mean, I feel like you could pick... I feel like you could pick half of Leicester's squad and say that they're underrated players in the league. Some of all parts. He's underrated He's... for me. It... Yeah, I'll I'll get into that kind of with a tie in Madison when it comes to me. But um uh Garber, what do you all got? right. Underrated. I don't know why I just love watching the guy play like I I turn on whatever Delafeu. I, I like the guy. Um and he's been on a struggling Watford all year. But every time you watch him, he's making something happen. Um, he got hurt at the end of the year. I don't know how bad it was. But, I mean, the guy, he turns up. Every time they play City, he's the one player I notice. And I because I try to avoid looking at Troy Deeney, maybe that's why too. But um, overrated, let's keep it on the same squad as everybody else is overrated. Because you took my first choice and my second choice. So I'm going to go with uh, David De Gea. He's been awful. And if you get in the Twitter world, United fans still consider him best keeper in the world. Um, and he's, I've seen him let in more howlers than any keeper, maybe sans Pickford. Oof. For, for Delafeu, like every fourth game, he, he looks like a world, like he's world-class. It's amazing. I, I guess I, I just know, watch like, every fourth game. <laughs> yeah. Or he, just, he plays, he plays city like every fourth game or whatever it is, but I don't know what it is, but he, yeah. And then you're like, Oh, then, then this is how he came up through the Barca Academy and all yep. that stuff. It's like, it's crazy. It's, but then like, I, maybe it is just injuries or whatever it is. And he also, you know, he plays for kind of, he played for Everton, and then he played for. Watford. I know. I heard he yeah, had I, I problems you. at the beginning. I knew that was a big deal when he was at Everton, right? I think he had some. Really? I think he had some stuff in the dressing room and that kind of thing. But when he moved to Watford, that stuff kind of quieted down. And then I, I know, I know, I know. There's class there. It's kind of whether he wants it to show or not. I'll, I'll say this. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has. I'll tell you this right now: Delafoy will not score another goal until November, at the earliest. That's what I'll tell you. ACL. He's got an ACL. Yeah. <laughs> he's got an ACL. Yeah. No, I remember. I remember. I remember when he went down with it. I was watching that game, and I remember being disappointed because I enjoy him. Yeah. And then I've not seen a fall, a quicker fall from grace for a goalkeeper than I have, Joe that. Hart. Like usually. <laughs> oh, Joe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good shout. Well, Pickford, Pickford's on that route right now, actually. So, what be, is it with your England number one? He's, yeah, he's got little arms. <laughs> <laughs> Gets the rave on though. Okay, so my overrated player, and this, I always confuse the two of them too because they look, I to me, this quite similar when you talk about Mason Mount. Is uh, I don't know, mine is Mason Mount, but when you talk about James Madison, they all kind of look the same. I know like there's been a lot of hype around, and you can disagree with me or whatever, but every time I watch Mason Mount, I'm not really sure. He was the one keeping Pulisic out of the team too. So there was some bias for sure, but I just didn't really see what he provided overall compared to some of the other players in there, but he's better than Ross Barkley. I'll give him that. Um, that's, that's an interesting then, one for me. He lacks pace. That's the one he, thing I always see with him. He can't. He can't turn and get by somebody. Great, finisher. crafty with the ball, though. Yeah. Yeah, well, he he's great finisher, but he's just never been. I don't know. I've just never seen. He's definitely had his moments. I've just not seen him. I don't think any time he's actually played Arsenal, he's been that great. You know, know what's yeah. funny is a lot of the stuff with. Uh, I heard somebody saying this the other day, like the Chelsea youth, the Chelsea youth. All these guys have been pros for years now, and just off on loan places. It's not like it's not like all these kids are coming straight up. Like they talk about the youth, but all these guys have been pros for a few years. Yeah, I mean, what wasn't wasn't Mason Mount at? We used with Lampard in um, Derby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lampard took like half the damn youth squad and took them to Derby. Yeah. So, I also Oof. I really wanted to put Deli Alley in there, but it is I, a good choice. I, That's I, a good I, choice. I, I, he's. 
he's especially lately his form's fallen off a cliff. So, and he's just an absolute see you next Tuesday. But anyway, we'll get away. We'll get away from that. My underrated one is, er, is um, Yeri Mina. Not Yeri Mina. I'm sorry, Andre Gomez from 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 Everton. I think I know he's class, and I know everyone kind of knows he makes that tick over. But he's obviously been out of the team for a while. But ever since he came in, back in, he's just you can just recognize the quality he has. And I'm actually surprised he's he. He'll, I'd be surprised if he's there next year. But that's just me. So. You don't think Ancelotti will be able to keep him? I don't know. I think I think Everton's getting in a really weird situation next year, especially the way the season's going. Like they they should be okay, but isn't he only on like a six month contract there? Or is he longer? Not sure, but that, I don't. Know. I do think the injury he suffered will potentially curtail an immediate move. Based when he only came back what about two weeks before the shutdown, and now he's uh... he played. He, yeah, whatever game. Was it? I think they drew Chelsea or something like that, and he came on, and I was like, "That's pretty incredible." That he actually, he's, he's an incredible there. footballer. I mean, I think he needs, yeah, needs better players centrally around him. Someone who can do a bit more movement because he's definitely a, you know, a, a sitter in terms of he needs some field to do his running. But um, I'd like to probe a bit further, if I may, on Mason Mount. Uh, what is it? What 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 is it about Mister Mount that just doesn't doesn't get you going, mate? I just – I've never – like, any game I've watched of Chelsea, he just doesn't really – I don't know. He just doesn't seem to, like – maybe it's just an exciting factor. Like, I – and maybe I, like I said, maybe it's just a bias factor where I think he was taking Pulisic's position for a minute, and I thought he provided better options. And I will say he's been better, like, lately, but I'm just not a big fan of what he does, and I don't really see why – so many – That's my question. That's my thing, Mason Mount. He's a very good footballer. I think he's a, like the – archetypal like modern footballer like he's pretty he's good on the ball he's got decent pace he can shift it he can finish but to me he's, he is a bit of a tweener he's not a winger for me he's not going to run at anybody he's like that kind of he's a reverse David Silver he's going to sit in the uh the inside left channel if he gets in the box he's dangerous he's not going to really run past anybody I don't know he's, he's a bit of a tweener but you get him in the box I think he's got something to him but I'm not sure I'm not sure if. I mean, you just you just described Frank Lampard. What playing on the inside right channel? <laughs> no, but just kind of like, kind of just like, in the box, he's awesome. I mean, Lampard was way better, like in terms of passing range, and Mason Mount's still pretty young, but a lot of his attributes, I think, were mine. It uh, seems to me Lampard like a bunch of what you said. Uh, he'd fit in as a number ten if he could play that role and just grow into it. Some, you know, the lack of pace, good in and like. You know, around the box with the ball at his feet. Seems like a 10 going forward. He's also he's also pretty big. Well, he's only 5'10", but he, he seems a lot bigger on the pitch than he is. But I don't know. He just is like – he's just one that I've always – every time I've watched Chelsea games, I just randomly watch a lot of yeah. footy. I just – he never – like as much as the height – maybe it's just more like a, I don't know if he lives up to the height. Well, I think – I think I think I agree with you on this because of the Pulisic thing though. Like the only time that I wanted to watch Chelsea was if Pulisic was playing. And when I watched Mount play and then I would watch Pulisic <laughs> come on, my biased eyes would see a much better player. So I think that's – I agree yeah. with you on that. I think the problem is going to be for him is moving forward since we're, we're struggling to – Define him positionally. You look at the amount of young talent England has moving forward. Like, who does he displace? Who does he? Where does he play? Because I mean, he's he, looking at England traditionally plays with under Southgate anyway, with proper wingers that you know like to kind of get up and down and get at people. Um, not sure that's him, and I'm not sure that he. Look at some of the young players coming through essentially that he really kind of impacts that which you know if you're talking about a player who's in the top five or six for Chelsea which you know you would think that's where he aspires to be um, and he's English he probably should be in discussions which I, I just don't I don't know if he ever will be I don't know if he's ever going to be that guy the English the England team is so like, like they're, they're poised to be so amazing like they have all the talent always away I feel like but like they just don't they can't I don't know. They just can't figure out the right combination. 
you know, I think in some instances it's going to be like you have to play a player that like. I'm not saying play James Milner, but like he could, he's kind of the type of player that like you might have to play to like unlock the abilities of somewhere like a Mason Mount or whatever. I mean, you got Sterling, Sancho. I'm sure I'm assuming Ali Deli will play, and then Harry Kane up front, and then obviously Vardy's on the. Well, Vardy's retired, but whatever. And then your defense, you've got Trent. You're gonna have if Stones if he's who? Fit, who? Harry Maguire. Who? Oh God. <laughs> Who? Oh, God. And that, who, and that who, is who? the problem, right? Who would be your other center back? There right is no now. one else. And then goal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. Not... Hey, yeah, goal. And then and you're right back. Right now, Gomez, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, Joe Gomez. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, you'd have a, almost an entire back line of Liverpool, which, yeah, can't shake. You know, left back, you got Chilwell as an option. He's done quite well. <laughs> you put Eric Dyer there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he might. Yeah, on paper, like you look at England, you're like, oh, they look awesome, and then you like you watch them. I don't know. Same. I mean, I feel like the attack. You just got to attack in that situation. Well, so. We got to make sure Harry Kane can pass the ball square <laughs> when it when it matters. <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, it's all jokes aside. I mean, I'm I'm, a, I'm excited for the future of England. I think there's a lot of young players that are getting minutes in clubs. You know, Tammy Abraham is exciting. You know, I'm not sure. You know, he's, you know, the generational striker, you know, that kind of shearer. And as much as I hate to say it, I mean, Harry Kane's goal-scoring record is fairly phenomenal, penalties and all. But um, Abraham would be an interesting option. You know, you're looking at uh, some other lads that are getting some minutes, you know, obviously Vardy from pace standpoint. If Callum Wilson can stay fit, he's, uh, again, a very different option moving forward as well. So, you know, I think I think you know, the biggest thing. We've gone off on a tangent here, but the biggest thing for me, for England in the attacking third, is limiting the willingness of our quote-unquote number nine to end up operating in our own half. Um, oh, yeah. I think if we can get somebody like Callum Wilson who stretches the game, or Tammy Abraham stretches the game, or Vardy stretches the game, as a kind of a foil for when things aren't working. I think that's uh, we have to have a plan B because you know we're not. But I mean, isn't that isn't that what like Sancho and Sterling are there for? Is to just be able to pump it long if you want to. When you look at it again, even even still though, like Sancho, I mean, yeah, he's got that ability, but I don't know. I, I don't. I just don't think it's one. I think you've got to let. We've got to play a game that that fits the players we have, and you know, I think ultimately, if we look at playing with wingers like Sancho, Sancho's going to beat his man. Let's call it even at pro level, three times out of five. Let's call it, um, and get delivery. You know, like I'd much rather have a centre forward get into the front post, the winger get into the back stick, and be able to get somebody like a like a Lampard type player to the edge of the box for the pullbacks, rather than I think a lot of times we end up getting Harry Kane twelve yards out, fifteen yards out. Um, it's just one less option. Yeah. You know, but like I said, I think I'm excited to see where it can go. I think Southgate is, you know, maybe not a tactical genius, but I do like the fact that he's he's not afraid to play different shapes. He's not afraid to make tough decisions. He's not afraid to give young kids debuts. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's, uh, that's class. I mean, I've, I've been talking through it now. My most underrated player, because everyone else has come one or two, Pereira, and I'm going to go completely off off the deep end here. Mark Noble. Oh, wow. Oh, God. Right Mark Noble. now? Legend. Like, over the course of his career, man. And even now, you look at him now. He's still, he's still oh. stringing life together for West Ham. Albeit. I mean, I will, 100, I will 100% agree with you. Over the course of his career, he's super underrated, I yep. think. For sure, but I don't know. I feel like now he's a little bit past it. But. Could be, yeah. But I mean, you still look at it. I mean, he's uh, a lot of what they do that turns into not being shocking is uh, is down to Mark Noble. Um, <laughs> you know, and a lot of times, you know, hard work, you know, he's done has allowed them to have the old player, you know, like uh, what's his name, Payet, and you know, the, the latest one. Jack yeah. Wilshere, the ones that didn't, they weren't doing much of the work, but <laughs> yeah, give it to a good old Mark Noble. I, I'd love a, I'd love a, um, I'd love an England cap for Noble and a friendly. I'd love that. I'd, I'll, I'd, I'd I love can that sign on to that for sure. Yeah, 
I'm actually, I'm actually like talking about this now. I'm actually upset. Oh, that the heroes aren't now you're upset, <laughs> oh, mate. I, I, I just got over. Well, it. I mean, you know, uh, it's like one of my favorite tournaments. To be fair, just because you don't have to deal with the bullshit of the U.S. men's national team being it. And game times are always perfect. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. The and then all the teams there are like players you like love for yep. the most part. You get the, and then you get the random Northern Ireland's come in there and start dicking around. It's awesome. So, all right, we'll end that sesh. Let's move on to the next one. What is your favorite best moment when you start me again? Okay. Um, so it's a a non. Sure. Uh, yeah. Football slash soccer event. That's totally. It's just okay. about. Uh, so it's a podcast American about football, football and life. Event. So uh, totally fine. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Love oh, it. Twenty seventeen, <laughs> uh, <laughs> NC State played Louisville at home on a yeah. Thursday night. NC NC State was twenty fourth. Louisville was seventeenth. And Lamar nice. Jackson uh, against Bradley Chubb. I was uh, second row on the fifty yard line, and seeing Lamar play live was that that uh, close to the to him was incredible. Probably the most amazing, um, I guess, athlete I've ever, ever seen in my life. So I would have to say that. Uh, NC State won thirty nine to twenty. What ended up being the score of the game? Yeah, Lamar Jackson. I remember been, that game. He just making Division One athletes look like they were. Me, you know, just like making him look silly. I felt bad for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I felt bad for him his senior year because his team was terrible and he was not. No, they was that the they, game? Was that the only game they yeah. lost that year? Yeah, they had a no, hard time because the rest BC of the team, like um, Garb said, they were gotcha. they were terrible. But he just single handedly. It was well, like the-, the downfall of Bobby Petrino year, kind of. Oh, got you. Well, there was a, wasn't there a season before, maybe the season before where they were like considered to be, yeah, they were top the five for a lot remember. of the year. And it came down to that's, them. That's right. It came that's down right. to Lamar against Deshaun Watson. That's right. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, Ted, what do you got? I mean, for me, it wasn't, it was less about a score or anything like that. But uh, I was at uh, Foxborough, actually, um, and saw AC Milan. First Inter Milan in a uh, one of those summer ICC games, and I believe yeah. it may not be true, um, but it was one of his early games at least. One of Balotelli's first um, appearances, or first uh, kind of first I'd seen him or heard of him to be honest. Um, and he was playing up front with uh, Diego Melito, um, and yeah, kind of Ambrosini playing for AC Milan. It was a very uh, just to see those players you don't normally see, number one, and number two, seeing them play against each other, was uh, was was pretty uh, was pretty cool. I think more seeing the different styles of like a Diego Melito and a Balotelli was so different. Um, and now, what you know now about Balotelli and his kind of uh, work rate, shall we say, um, it kind of made sense seeing some of the the gesturings of a established pro towards a. Uh, Young buck, shall we say, um, was uh, was was really, was really cool in hindsight. That would probably be uh, just a, and I was you know, five or six rows up behind the goal as well, which made it kind of uh, a nice. Uh, was was that the was Mourinho in charge for Inter? Good question. Know. Don't remember to be honest. Because I feel like I feel like that Melito. I think with Balotelli, yeah, Balotelli. I think it was Mourinho. That yes. sounds like. That sounds like the season they won the. It would have been around, say around, two thousand seven or no, two thousand eight or nine. What it would have been? Yeah, I think that was the season where they beat they beat um, Bayern in the Champions League final because Molito scored two goals, and I remember in the semifinal, Balotelli. I think he might have got sent off in like three minutes or something like that when he came out <laughs> of the sub or something something crazy <laughs> something like ridiculous oh so actually Inter Milan Bayern was 2010 so I don't know that's probably a little too early then but yeah good times Mario how you stand oh, out all the time brother. what a legend <laughs> I was at the game where he scored the or did he try to back heel it in 
in it was like a preseason friendly ICC. I think it was in. I think I'm pretty sure it was in Charlotte. Yeah, I was at and when so he was on City and like Mancini. Mancini pulled him from the game right then in a preseason game. Yeah, and then yeah. Joe Hart scored the winning penalty that day. Yeah, that was a banter game. Those ge- I feel like the games in Charlotte are always are because it's 98 degrees in the middle of summer. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. So Garber, what's your favorite? Uh, favorite 2013 World Series game six in Boston at Fenway. I was living in Huntsville, Alabama. My mom was in just south of Atlanta, and she called me the day before the game. She was like, let's go. And we didn't know if they'd win the World Series that night. We didn't know if we'd get tickets or whatever. One of my buddies worked security at Fenway and guaranteed me he could get me into the game. So I lied to my mom and told her that I got tickets for cheap. And we show up, and she kept asking me where the tickets were, and I just said, kept telling her, wait, wait, wait. And then all of a sudden, about 20 minutes before first pitch, my buddy called me and we walked in and got escorted through a gate to get into the game and had probably the best night ever. My mom is diehard Red Sox fan, so for her to get to see one in person was was pretty cool. And for me, too, to get to see a World Series clinched in person, especially the way we went about it. That's awesome. Did you guys go on the field after? No, we didn't. Didn't, didn't go on the field. We were up in standing room only, which – I mean, at Fenway, Fenway is a tiny park, so you can see every part of the ballpark. Yeah. There. But no, we didn't go on the field, but I have some great video and footage from uh, from the celebrations. That's awesome. So mine is like, so I follow a, a pretty good group of sports teams that have been pretty terrible with success, except recently the Nats and the Caps have both won. I did go to the Nats parade, which was amazing. But um, I actually, my wife and I were over in uh, – we went to Rome, Italy uh, in May of 2018. Yeah, 20, 2018. No, 2017, I'm sorry. And I just happened to Google, like, who Roma, if they were in town, who they were playing, and it was Juve. So just got online, grabbed two tickets, and then her and I were kind of trouncing around Rome and having a good time drinking a lot of wine and stuff. And we were like, well, do we really want to go to this game? And then I kind of, like, looked at it, and I was like, I have to go to this game because that was when – like Gonzalo Higuain was on Juve, like all those players were in Roma had Jekka or they had like, and Chesney was playing for Roma, like all these great players. So I was like, I, we just got to go. So we rolled up. Higuain scored the first goal in, in Rome. So like all the, all the Roma fans were like just pissed off. And then in the, the second half, um, Roma scored three goals, like on our end too, we were right behind the goal and it just turned into like absolute pandemonium. And the funny thing was, Everyone knew we were tourists, so, like, that didn't really matter. But for some reason, there was, like, two Juve fans, like, right in front of us. And they just the whole time just got absolutely pelted with, like, lighter cigarettes until they finally just left. But it was, it was like, a fantastic event. Like, just flares were going off everywhere. The typical, like, kind of what you think about, like, in terms of, like, a Roma game. And it was it was perfect. And, like, after the third goal went, went in, we just kind of, like, Megan and I kind of stuck out around, like, 85th minute and – just an awesome experience and like probably my favorite sporting experience just in terms of like what my any of my other teams have really done like in terms of being in person for sure so that's pretty much yep. it for me solid ones boys we've seen some good stuff yes sir actually that's a really good those are really good so we'll get to the last segment here which is i just kind of sprung on the group here about an hour and a half ago two hours it's going to be a recurring segment of your fantasy 11. And basically what we're saying is put together your perfect fantasy 11, your current players. You have to declare your formation, declare your manager. So each week we'll do a different um, set of formation. So this week we're declaring our manager, our formation and our back. I can. Um, okay. All right. So, you want to I'll go ahead. The theme on mine. Cause I thought ultimate 11, you know, we pick a lot of the same players. So uh, I went with the four, three, three. Managed by Diego yeah, Simeone. You see if let's uh, let's mm-hmm. see if you can get the theme oh, here wow. quickly. Um, goalkeeper would be okay. Would be Tim Talking Tim Cruel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the left back Sead okay. <laughs> Uh Center back Sergio Ramos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. You got it. <laughs> um, other center back, Diego Godin. Right back, Danny Alves. 
Wow. So that was I mean, my thought process. I, I wanted to build a team that wouldn't be terrible, but you'd absolutely hate to play. And with the new uh, penalty rules, Tim Krul is just going to punch a man in the face. <laughs> right. And he's like 6'11", <laughs> so... That's a great start. Did you did you guys did you hear this story? I don't know. Like I heard this on Football Ramble, but apparently Tim Cruel for Mother's Day got his wife um a a water bottle with like all of his penalty saves like in engraved <laughs> on it, like image wise. Like the guy is an absolute <laughs> shit house. Like it's so That's awesome. I've got a lot got a lot of time for that. Okay, a that's a really good start there. Yeah. By the way, I'm writing these down, so like Perfect. Lewis if next Next week, you give me four midfielders. I'm going to immediately call you out. <laughs> All right, I'll throw mine out there. Um, no bias involved whatsoever. Um, going with a 4-3-3 managed by the legend himself, Pep. Are we doing goalkeepers today? Oh, yeah, duh, Tim Krul. Uh, see, yeah, I had yeah, a hard time with this one because I, I didn't want to be – it was the same thing. I was trying to not pick what everybody else would. And this keeper doesn't fit the – the way we want to play perfectly, but I actually think he's the best keeper in the world. I went with Oblock. All right, this yeah. is where we get interesting because I refuse to pick more than one Liverpool player in the entire team. So left back, I'm going to go MLS special, Alfonso Davies. I Watching him so far, what he's done with Bayern, the guy's brilliant going forward. Um in the center of defense, I'm going to go Laporte on the left side and Van Dyke on the right. I just – I can't reasonably not pick Van Dyke in this team. He's class. And at right back, I'm going with our favorite <laughs> quarantine breaker, Kyle Walker. Nice. Top, top shagger. Top shagger. <laughs> just a little, little bit, bit of banter. banter. <laughs> I actually think, though, this year he's been the most consistent – outside of De Bruyne, he's been the most consistent player for City all year. And too bad he got himself in trouble because just, he actually had really good form going into whatever's upcoming. What's going on with Big K Dub? Are you just going to like release him from his contract, or is he just? It's interesting to see what the, I think. It all depends really on how hard the media hammers him. You know what I mean? Because I feel like we're so reactionary now. Because I feel like if yeah. the media doesn't make too big of a deal out of it, he'll be okay. But I I read something where Southgate won't consider him anymore. He's done with England, and I don't know. But I. I think Pep likes him. I think, and I honestly, I, I, I think he's had a really good year. It still blows my mind that, like, you know, those girls are going to talk. Like, why are you bringing them over to your house? Like, and he told the he told the one girl his name was like, like <laughs> Kylan or something stupid, like ridiculous. He should have pulled a Cole Torre like, <laughs> and told her he owned a car dealership. Was like, yeah. Well, apparently she didn't. The one who reported didn't know who it was, who she was, but then. There was a Brazilian girl involved for his friend, and the Brazilian girl obviously immediately knew who who he was, and was like, "Oh, that's like a that's an actual like multi million dollar footballer right there. It was very famous." So anyway, so what's your theme? Your theme's just going straight up for going the... for the win. I'm going for the win. No, you just kind of okay. What do you got, Ted? I've got I've got two. If you want to have a bit of bounce, I've got um my my one to win to go against Garbs and 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 take it. All right, well, yeah. about, wait, hold on. And how about you go last Second. then? How about you go last if you're going to get two? All right, I'll go. I'll go. So I, I went with uh, three, five, three, uh, two. So mine is uh, Leno, previously spoken about. Big fan of him. I think he's actually been one of the best keepers in the league in terms of underratedness. And I think he's just a really solid keeper and super young. My first center back is Koulibaly. Just solid overall and I think he needs to get out and get out of Napoli. Uh big verge in the middle to marshal the troops. And then I did coin toss between up Makano and Veron. And I'm just gonna go up Makano because he's younger. So those are my that's my back four in this situation. Well I've gone um unfortunately fairly predictable at the moment. Um Jürgen Klopp, manager, 4-3-3. Allison in goal, Trent at right back, Andy Robertson at left back, Van Dijk, and Koulibaly. Sent it back. You know, I think it's... Uh, there you go. If you get to play football, easy easy five. Hmm. 
now for fun, just mm. to see what things would what what could happen. Um, let me shoot, let me let me jump in real quick. My manager, by the way, was um was Nagelsmann. Oh, good one. I'm basically going for the I'm going for the pure FIFA. 20 video game. So I'm expecting uh, Pubga. I'm expecting uh, Paul Pubga next week. Yeah, yeah. Just, just YouTube video game superstar. We have Neymar in there. It's gonna be great. And then just, just for uh, just to see complete clash of styles. Obviously, I think the part of the bus, um, Mega Bus Eleven that uh, (laughs) Lewis put out would be would 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 be interesting. Um, especially when up one nil, but uh, we've we've gone um. <laughs> see if you can predict it. I'll, I'll describe the players and see if you can get there. Um, Watford legend uh, in goal. Um, refuses to kick the ball. Uh, loves to throw it seventy five yards. Correct. Gomez. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. Bro- Brighton centre back, seven foot tall. Oh, what what is his name? Lewis the left back that name. is like yeah. Lewis, what is his name? Dunk. Um, uh, dunk. Yeah. Ma- magic in the air. Um, play for United makes a lot of money. Um, Face like a gargoyle. To prove he's worth it. Harsh. Got the best Harry nickname of the choir, right? Yeah, Slabhead. Great nickname. <laughs> um, another United, another United right back. Um, fantastic defender. Question questionable during the attack. One Basaka, hundred percent. And then uh, we've gone with the same because we're going to keep two centre backs at home. Uh, Leicester left back, uh, wonderful in the attacking third. Impeccable hair, does not move an inch when moving up and down the park at quite a good rate of speed. <laughs> ben Chilwell. Chilwell. And managed by the indomitable, indomitable will get the most... No. Is it no. Ben? Decent Is thought. Rogers? <laughs> oh, we're going to go Alan Pardew. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so think about how that team's going to play. He'll make a semi-final and then get tanked <laughs> nine nothing. With 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 any, with any <laughs> But part of, well, they'll get tanked. They'll get, tank, they'll get tanked nine one. <laughs> but when they'll score the first, yeah, the score they'll score the first goal and Pardew will just dance and then I'll just completely. That being get said, however, that will be a that'll be a, a decent team to be fair. Gomez will be a bit eccentric, but so far, a back five will be all right. Wait, so you're back? Yeah, you'd be all right. Chill well done. Tell you what, we, the whole That's idea, the whole concept would be big throw out to wingers to be named, overlapping fullbacks, win set pieces, in the box you go, bosh, dunk, dunk, slab head, goal. Yeah. Wait, hey, you got you got two more weeks to put together your midfield Easy. and your forward, so figure it out. I'm, I'm actually, of all the teams, I love Lewis. It's just absolute shithouse team right now. So I'm really excited for the midfield and forwards. I'm pretty sure Diego Costa is going to be making an appearance oof, oof. at some point. So, <laughs> All right, boys. Well, we're right at time. So we'll call it a night tonight, and right. we'll uh, get together with everyone next week. I'll talk to you later. Later, boys.